0: to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the divided kingdom, as we pick up in 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 1.
1: And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. And so, he gathered together an army and the Lord spoke to them and told them not to uh, start a war at that time. And so uh, the kingdom was divided and this is an important point in the history of the nation. The northern kingdom, as I said, was called Israel. Unfortunately, they did not have one decent king. Israel was plagued with idolatry from the beginning. Judah had some good kings, some excellent kings, and some bad kings. Israel never had any good kings at all. They went from bad to worse. But at least in Judah, they did have some decent kings who did bring reforms there in Judah but the kingdoms were never united again. The northern kingdom fell first because of its idolatry and all. It fell first to Assyria. Later on, about 500 B.C., the southern kingdom fell to Babylon. Later there was a regathering, of course, after the Babylonian captivity. But the people of Judah never fully accepted the people of Samaria as true full brothers because the Samaritans could not really bring out their genealogy to prove that they were Jews all the way back. And so there came, and even at the time of Christ, there was sharp division between the Jews and the Samaritans. Uh, And they were both claiming that they had the right place to worship God. Uh, In Samaria is where Abraham first built the the altar there at Shechem unto the Lord. And they claimed that Mount Gerizim was the only mountain on which to worship God. Whereas the Jews were saying, no, God should be worshipped on Mount Moriah there in Jerusalem. And there was this big conflict between them, even at the time of Christ. Now the prophecy of Ezekiel when he prophesied the rebirth of the nation Israel which we have been privileged to observe. When he prophesied that God was going to take these bones that were dry and scattered and bring them together and put them in the land again and make a nation of them he said that he saw one stick for Joseph and one stick for Judah and that actually they would be no longer two, but one. And so what God was prophesying there in Ezekiel is that when the children of Israel became a nation again, which they did in 1948, that they would no longer be a divided kingdom. There would no longer be the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, but they would be just one nation, one king over them all. And thus, of course, is the case today. Israel is a united nation and uh, one ruler ruling over the whole nation, but they don't have uh, the, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. I mean, that won't exist again. That is over. That's a part of the past history that won't be repeated because uh, God promised that there would be just one nation in the land. Of course, Joseph Smith said that one stick for Joseph was actually his name is in the Bible and that one stick was the Book of the Mormon that Joseph Smith was going to bring to all the people. If you can believe that, you can believe anything. No, Read it in its context. I'm surprised that people would go for that. And so Jeroboam... Became the king over Israel And he built Shechem Now Shechem was already there It means that he built a wall around Shechem And actually the wall of the city of Shechem is is, is, Remnants of it are still there today And he built Penuel But he said to himself The people are apt to be drawn back To the king of Judah especially if they go down to Jerusalem for the holy days. They go down for the Passover and so forth. Their hearts are going to be drawn back after Rehoboam and and I'm going to be in trouble. So he made two golden calves and he built altars, one in Dan, which is way up at the uttermost northern part of the kingdom. It's where the Jordan River comes right out of the ground. Beautiful area of Dan. And he set up one of these golden calves in Dan. The other he set up in uh, the southern part there at Bethel, which is, of course, just 15, 20 miles out of Jerusalem, close by Jerusalem. So in both ends of the kingdom, the southern and the northern part of the kingdom of Israel, he set up these idols with these golden calves. And he said, these are the gods which brought you out of Egypt. Now, the worship of the calf was something that came from Egypt. You remember when the children of Israel were in the wilderness and Moses had stayed in the mount for such a long time, the the people thought that he wasn't coming back and they came to Aaron, and they said, make us a God that we might serve it, for as what's happened to this Moses, we don't know. And so he had them bring all their golden earrings and all of their gold, and, and they they molded and, and, and this golden calf. And, of course, Moses came down from the mountain with the two tables of the law, and he heard the dancing and the singing, and he saw all these people in their wild orgies as they were worshiping this golden calf, and he took the two stones, tables of stone upon which God had inscribed the Ten Commandments. The first one, thou shalt have no other gods before me. The second one, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image to bow down and worship and all. And here they were in violation of the first two commandments. They had already broken the law before they even had it. And he threw the stones on the ground and they broke and, and he then took this golden calf and he ground it into powder, mixed it with water, and he made all the people drink it. He dealt with it very harshly. But now here is Jeroboam making two golden calves, setting them up with altars and uh, saying, These are the gods that brought you out of Egypt. And he turned the hearts of the people away from the Lord. And so there came a young man out of Judah by the word of the Lord to Bethel where Jeroboam was standing by the altar ready to burn incense. And he cried against the altar in the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord. O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord. Behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David Josiah by name. And upon thee shall he offer the priest of the high places that burn incense upon thee, and men's bones will be burnt upon thee. And he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is a sign by which you know that the Lord has spoken. Behold, the altar shall be torn, and the ashes that are on it shall be poured out. Now, he prophesies that there's going to be a king Raised up, a descendant of David, Josiah by name. Now this is long before Josiah was ever born. But he prophesies exactly what Josiah is going to do in the offering of the priest there upon the high places that burn incense on this altar. And in order that you might know that God has really spoken, this altar is going to be torn and two and the ashes are going to be spilled out. So it came to pass when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God which cried against the altar there at Bethel that he said, lay hold on him. He put forth his hand. He said, lay hold on that man. And his hand, he just lost its use. It just dropped and he had no use over that hand or arm. He couldn't pull it back to him again. He, he just lost use of it. And... The altar was torn, or rent, and the ashes poured out from the altar according to the sign of the man of God that he had given by the word of the Lord. And the king answered and said unto the man of God, Pray now to the face of Jehovah thy God. Pray for me that my hand may be restored again. And the man of God besought the Lord, and the king's hand was restored him again, and it became as it was before." And the king said unto the man of God, Come home with me and refresh thyself, and I will give you a reward. And the man of God said unto the king, If you will give me half your house, I will not go in with thee, neither will I eat bread nor drink water in this place. For so it was charged me by the word of the Lord, saying, Eat no bread, nor drink water, nor turn again by the same way that you came. So he went home another way, other than what he had come to Bethel. Now there was an old prophet there in Bethel, and his sons came home, and they told him all of the things that happened, how this young prophet came from Judah and prophesied, and how the king's arm lost its use and was restored, how the the whole prophecy and the old man said, what way did he go? And... So the sons told him, and he said, saddle my donkey. And he got on his donkey, and he pursued after this young prophet. And he came to him and found him under an oak. And he he was just sitting there, and he said, are you the prophet that came from Judah? And he said, I am. And he said, come on home with me and eat bread. And he said, I may not return with you, nor go in with you, neither will I eat bread nor drink water in this place. For it was said to me by the word of the Lord... Thou shalt eat no bread, nor drink water there, nor turn again to go by the way that you came. And he said unto him, I am a prophet myself. And an angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with thee into your house, that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied unto him. So he went back with him, and did eat bread in his house, and drank water. And it came to pass, as they were sitting at the table, the word of the Lord came to the old prophet, that had brought him back. And he cried unto the man of God that came from Judah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Forasmuch as you have disobeyed the mouth of the Lord, and you have not kept the commandment which the Lord thy God commanded thee, but you came back, and you have eaten bread and drunk water in this place, of which the Lord did say unto thee, Eat no bread, drink no water. Thy carcass will not come into the sepulcher of thy fathers. And so it came to pass, after he had eaten bread, and he had drunk, that he saddled for him the donkey, uh, and when he was gone, a lion met him by the way and slew him, and his carcass was cast in the way, and the donkey stood by it, and the lion also stood by the carcass. So men came into town, and they said, we saw an interesting sight. A young man out there, he was killed by the lion, and the lion and the donkey are standing by his carcass. And the old man said, that truly must be the young prophet. He said, saddle my donkey. And he went out, and he and he found the young man lying there, and the lion and the donkey standing by, and he brought him back, and he buried him in his own sepulcher. And he said to his boys, he said, when I die, he said, I want you to bury me next to the bones of this young prophet. Now, it's an interesting story that surely has an important lesson for us. And that is, we better pay attention to what the Lord has to say to us and not what man has to say to us. There is a movement afoot within the United States that is called the shepherding doctrine. And in this, you are to submit yourself unto a shepherd who is responsible to lead you and to guide you in your spiritual development and growth. So you take an older person in the Lord, one with more maturity, an older man, and, and you submit yourself to him. He becomes your shepherd. He tells you when you can buy a house, when you can sell a house, when you can buy a car and and just what job you should take and so forth. I mean, you bring all of, of your decisions to him, and, and he shepherds over you, and he watches over you and your spiritual growth. He tells you when to do things and, and what to do and so forth. And you are to submit totally to your shepherd. You are to pay all your tithes to that shepherd, and, and you you commit totally your, your decisions in your life to him. It's really sort of a pyramid thing. Some guys at the top started it. They're the head shepherds, and all of these other shepherds are under them. And uh, it's, it's sort of like those pyramid sales games where, you know, you get so many reps under you, and then uh, you get a certain percentage of all what your reps sell, and they get reps under them, and you get a certain percentage of what their reps sell, and, you know, you get this pyramid thing going. And the guys at the top really make out great. And, and so these shepherds that are at the top, you know, all of the shepherds pay their tithes. Of course, on up the line, can ultimately get up here to the top shepherds. Uh, and uh, they, they've got this whole thing going. And many people have gone for it. Now, they, they say that if your shepherd tells you to do something, you've got to submit to him and do it even if it is wrong. And if it is wrong, your shepherd is responsible and will have to answer to God. You are right because you submitted and obeyed your shepherd. So you're free, even though what you've done is wrong. You'll be free because you you obeyed your shepherd and you were submitting to him. And thus, he will be the one that will be responsible to God for the wrong things that you have done because he told you to do them. If they would only read this account They would find out that God holds each man responsible For what God has told him to do Now this young prophet The Lord said when you get there Don't eat any bread Don't drink any water in that place And when you come back Don't even come back by the same route you went So the old man, an old prophet Finds him and he says Come on home with me Eat bread and drink water And he said, no, I can't. The Lord commanded me not to. Well, I'm also a prophet, you see. I'm an older man. And and an angel came and spoke to me and said, come and bring him and invite him back. The old man was lying to him, told him to do something that was not according to the word of the Lord to him directly. And as the result, the young man disobeyed the Lord's command that the Lord had given to him. You are responsible to listen to God and to follow the Lord in the Lord's command. And God will hold you responsible for that. And, of course, he's back there eating bread and drinking water, and the true prophecy then came from the old man that he was not going to get back home, that the Lord would take him before he could get home, which, of course... Did happen. Now after this experience that Jeroboam had Where God was giving to him a warning Verse 33 Jeroboam did not turn away from his evil doings But he made the lowest people priest There in the high places And whoever he would he consecrated And he became one of the priests of the high places and this thing became a sin to the house of Jeroboam, even to cut it off and to destroy it from off the face of the earth. So at that time, his son Abijah became sick. And Jeroboam said to his wife, Arise, I pray thee, and disguise yourself, that, you might, that they won't know you as the wife of Jeroboam. And go to Shiloh, for there is a prophet there whose name is Ahijah, and he is the one that told me that I was going to become the king over these people. Take 10 loaves of bread, some cracknels, and a cruise of honey, and go to him, and he will tell you what's going to happen to our child. So Jeroboam's wife did so. She arose, went to Shiloh, and she came to the house of Ahijah. But Ahijah could not see, for his eyes were set by reason of his age. He was so old that he had gone blind. But the Lord said to Ahijah, Behold, the wife of Jeroboam is coming to ask something of you for her son, for he is sick. So this is what you're to say. Thus and thus shall you say unto her. For it shall be when she comes in that she's going to feign herself or be disguised so that she'll look like another woman. And so it was when Ahijah heard the sound of her feet, she came up to the door when she knocked on the door he said, come on in, thou wife of Jeroboam. Why are you feigning yourself to be someone else? Why, are you, why have you got this disguise on? For I am sent to thee with heavy tidings. It is humorous that a person would think that he could disguise the truth about himself from God. And yet, so often people find themselves in that position of trying to deceive God. Men are often in a disguise when they come to the house of the Lord. They seek to appear to be something they really aren't. But God can see through each disguise. We remember in the birth of the church in the New Testament when there was such great fervor and zeal The people were going out and selling their houses and possessions and bringing the money in and laying it at the apostles' feet. And they all were just sharing everything together.
0: Continue with more of our verse by verse Bible study in the book of First Kings on our next broadcast, as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order First Kings twelve through fourteen when visiting the word today.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck.
1: May the Lord be with you Watch over and keep you in His love And may we grow together in the family of God Into that fullness, into that completeness That He would have us to experience and know In Jesus Christ God bless you, God keep you And may He use you this week To spread abroad through all the land that work of Jesus Christ that He has wrought in your life.
0: This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. The 1960s became one of the most colorful periods in American history. The counterculture was dropping out and turning on. The summer of love was the stage for many dramas of change, And the most popular musical group in the world was singing, All You Need Is Love. But one man in Southern California was reaching out with the answer, and the truth began to set people free. Author and pastor Chuck Smith began to share the love of Jesus Christ with a generation that was looking for love in all the wrong places. Now, some 40 years later, the gospel of love is still changing lives. In his book simply titled, Love, The More Excellent Way, Pastor Chuck Smith expounds upon the love that can change your life, now and forever. For more information on how to obtain your copy, visit
1: a bookstore nearest you, or call 1-800-272-WORD, or visit us online at thewordfortoday.org. That's thewordfortoday.org.